Um, we're going to continue on in this series that we've been in, looking at our values at our church. Um, we've been talking about how um, our values are important because our values really influence and, and in many ways determine kind of how we live and act in this world. And so at Embrace, a few years back, we came up with six values that we believe uniquely kind of describe who we are as a church. Um, we share a lot in common with all the churches in town, but we also are a unique church, just like every other church is. And we have these unique things that we believe speak to who we are right here in our community as Embrace Church. And so um, I'm going to recap where we've come from. So we started by uh, talking about our first one, which is the most important, that we keep Jesus at the center. And through, through everything, we really want Jesus to be the center and, and the and the thing that guides and influences all that we do as a church. And so we do believe that that is the first and most important value that we have. Um, Christina um, shared with you uh, through video, uh, if y'all remember a couple weeks ago, which was great. She preached a wonderful sermon on church equals diverse family. Um, if you all missed that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it or, or watch that online. We also uh, try to keep it real, and that's what I talked about last week. And then this week, we're going to talk about our fourth value. And I believe it's, it's maybe the most unique um, of all of our values, and it's that we are comfortable with being uncomfortable. I've been talking to Benjamin about that the past couple of weeks, uh, about that idea. You know, as I reflect over the course of my life, Specifically thinking about those times in my life when I have grown or when I've matured or when I've changed kind of in a positive way, I would say almost all of them, if not all of them, have involved some level of discomfort. For me, growing and, and maturing and changing has never really been comfortable. I started at this church back in 2006 as the youth pastor. And when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I did not really know how to be a youth pastor. Um, I was still pretty insecure in that role. I was kind of fearful, and I was fairly reserved. And coming in as a youth pastor, I just felt like I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, I got here, and there weren't a lot of kids, but I was tasked with growing this youth group and kind of reaching out to the community. And so I had this idea um, that I would get to know kids, uh, by going to the local middle school, Winburn Middle School, and having lunch with students there um, at the school. I knew a couple of kids there that were in the youth group, and so I'm like, hey, I'll come meet up with y'all. We'll have lunch. And I thought, I'll get to know some other kids at Winburn. And I remember the first time I showed up to Winburn, I, I felt so uncomfortable. I, I walked into the cafeteria, and I felt so awkward. I felt very unsure of how I would even begin to engage in conversation with these wild middle school students. Um, and, and it was a particularly wild uh, atmosphere over there those days. And so I remember walking in, and I'm just like, well, I have no choice. I just got to do it. And so I walked in, and I did feel awkward. But over time, as I went back many times, it, it became easier, and I grew in my confidence. But for me, that was an experience where it took me getting uncomfortable in order to grow more comfortable with that experience, right? And, and really to mature and to grow and realize I do have what it takes um, to be a youth pastor, and I can reach out to these kids, and it actually doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes someone that's loving and willing to show up and willing to take that risk. Over the past 17 years of being here at this church, I've grown more and more comfortable 
with being uncomfortable. And in some ways, I've grown to kind of embrace the discomfort um, and, and, and grown to actually like it at times because I know that it has led to growth in my life, that it has led to change, it has led to me becoming a fuller version of who I am supposed to be. I was watching a, a show on HBO uh, a couple years ago. It's called The Shop. Has anybody ever seen this? It's uh, LeBron James. Uh, his company has this show where a bunch of athletes, entertainers, different people get together, and they, they're like in a, a, I think it's like a fake barber shop, but they get together and they talk, you know, about different things. And uh, if y'all know me, you know I'm a LeBron fan, so of course I'm going to watch The Shop, you know. Um, but, but he was on the, the shop, that show, that particular day, and he was talking about some of the challenges he was facing that season early on at the Lakers. And he said this quote, he said, I like being uncomfortable. And he says, I like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I immediately got out my phone, I texted my friend Landon who was working here, he also a LeBron fan. I was like, dude, Landon, LeBron just quoted one of Embrace's values. And I was like, man, he must be on our website or something, I don't know, but... But I felt really good and confirmed, you know, and affirmed that we had the right value, right? Because if LeBron's going to quote it, we're all good. Um, but in all seriousness, though, I think, like, LeBron has achieved a lot, and he continues to grow as a leader and an athlete, and I think a lot of that is because he is willing to push himself into discomfort and even embrace it. LeBron's about to be 39 years old in December, and I just turned 40 this year, and I'm like, dude, him to do what he's doing, he's got to be pushing himself to continue to compete at that high of a level. And we know, like, athletes or people who have started new jobs, you're trying to learn a new skill, like, you have to push through the discomfort if you want to grow and you want to master something, or you want to get better and you want to grow and become what you want to be. I want you all to uh, think about the times in your life when you've grown the most, when you've changed the most and matured the most, was it comfortable? Were those comfortable seasons in your life? I mean, I kind of doubt it because I, I think growth hurts. Change is hard. Transformation is a long, difficult journey. I want to read what it says on our website about our value. We are comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I wrote this many years ago, we did, but I, I still believe in, in what this says, but I want to read it for you. It says, Embrace is a welcoming church, but isn't a comfortable church. <laughs> we invite challenge and critique. We recognize that as individuals and as a church community, we are on a journey of discovery about the world, the scriptures, and ourselves. We try our best to listen to people's stories and thoughts and opinions, knowing that we can become more like Jesus in doing so. If Jesus is our measuring stick, then we can never be comfortable with who we are. We intentionally spend time with people who make us uncomfortable, people who are often labeled the other or the stranger or even enemy. And we find that those who make us uncomfortable often have something to teach us and can eventually become friends. We believe taking risk is important in our church community and in our walk with God. And we take risk by constantly pushing ourselves outside of what is comfortable in order to follow Jesus. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 4, we find a fascinating story. 
And it's a story about Jesus' interaction with this woman who was getting water from a well on a particular day. And I want to tell this story to you, and today's going to be a little bit different than previous weeks because we're going to let this story from Scripture speak to us. Because these stories in, 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 our, in our Bible are powerful. And, and particularly all the stories about Jesus, like I, I just cherish these stories. And they continue to speak words of life and challenge to us even today. And so I want these words from this story and this, um, the, the, the activities and the things Jesus was doing to speak to us this morning. Because I believe it is a risky story and I believe it is an uncomfortable story. You know, Jesus tended to upset people quite often. Um, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that he upset people a lot. I love to read the Bible and focus on sometimes not what Jesus says and does, but how people respond to him. And there's often a lot of anger, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of threats, there's a lot of even uh, violence towards Jesus in the Gospels. So Jesus tended to upset people everywhere he went, and particularly like the religious slash political leaders of his day tended to not like Jesus too much. He challenged them. The way he lived his life provoked them. Um, the things he said, they didn't like it at all. And they felt kind of threatened by Jesus. And so one day Jesus was in Judea. And Judea is in the southern part of Israel. That's where Jerusalem is. Judea would be considered where some of the wealth and power of that area would have been consolidated. And he was down in the southern part of Israel. And he got word that some of the Pharisees were upset with him about some things he were doing. They were out to get him. And they were unhappy that he had been growing so popular. And so what happened is Jesus decided at that moment, I'm going to head up to Galilee. Because Galilee, Jesus was received a little bit better in Galilee. Galilee was more rural. It was a little more of a poor area. And so Jesus was often, his message was more well received there. And that was his home base. as where a lot of his people were. And so Jesus took some time. He's like, I'm going to get away from Judea for a bit, go up to the northern part of Israel, maybe to avoid some unnecessary conflict with the Pharisees at that point. So the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee would just be to go straight to Galilee. And in order to do that, you would have to pass through the region called Samaria. However, a lot of Jews, they didn't like to go through Samaria. They didn't like to travel through that part of Israel. And the reason was because Jews and Samaritans had a pretty rocky history. The Samaritans were often looked down upon by the Jews, and I imagine the Samaritans uh, did not look kindly on the Jews at times as well. Their history goes back to, to some stuff you can read about in the Old Testament, but essentially what happened is some Jews from the northern kingdom of Israel ended up marrying people from other nations. And so they became a mixed race, and they were often talked down to and called half-breeds by some of the Jews who felt like they were more pure Jews. And so many Jews looked down upon them and refused to accept the Samaritans as their kin. And so some Jewish people disliked the Samaritans so much that they wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They would avoid it because they didn't want to go into their land. And so even though it would have been the most direct route to travel from Judea to Galilee to go through Samaria, instead they would go around it. And so there was a common path they would take where they would cross the Jordan River, they would go around Samaria, and then back into Galilee. Now keep in mind, they're not driving in 
cars that go fast. They're walking, you know, they're having to spend this time on foot. And so it would be a more challenging route to have to go around this part of, the, of their land that they did not want to go through. And so for some of them, because of this prejudice that they had, many Jewish people refused to even travel through this part of their land. But I think it's fascinating that Jesus did not follow the normal route. (laughs) And I think that statement in itself is pretty powerful, that Jesus often didn't follow the normal route. He didn't follow the conventional path. Jesus was willing to do something different if he felt like it was the right thing to do. And so Jesus intentionally went straight through Samaria on his way to Galilee. Now after traveling for some time, he stopped in Samaria at a town called Sychar. Now a famous landmark was there. It's called Jacob's Well. And it was a well that had water. If y'all have ever been to that part of the world, it's very dry. Water is vital to have, particularly if you're traveling and you're walking quite a bit of miles each day. You're going to have to have water. And so he stopped at this well, likely hoping uh, to get a drink, hoping there would be someone there with a bucket, you know, that could help him get the water he needed. And so he was tired, and he stopped there. And he told his disciples, he said, hey, y'all go into town and get some food, and I'm going to wait here by the well. It was hot. It was noon, it was the middle of the day, and Jesus was tired. So he sat down there. While he was chilling there by the well, this Samaritan woman approaches the well to get some water. Now Jesus saw that she had a bucket. Uh, He was thirsty, and so he asked her. He says, hey, would you mind giving me a drink of water? Now she looked up at Jesus, and she saw that Jesus was a Jew, and she wondered why Jesus was asking her, a Samaritan, for a drink. Because you see, Jews and Samaritans likely weren't often asking favors of each other. She probably, by chance, didn't want to help out a Jew and give him water. So she said to Jesus, she said, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How is it that you're going to ask me for a drink? And Jesus responded and he said, if you only knew who I was and what I could give you, you would be asking me for a drink. He said, not of this water in the well here, but you would be asking me for the living water. Now, she looked at him at that point, and maybe she thought he was a little crazy. I'm not sure, because that's not something you hear people say very often, you know, that, that, you, that I've got this living water. And so she looked at him, maybe thinking he was a little crazy, and, and she then maybe thought he was even messing with her. And, he, and he sh- she says to him, sir, you don't even have anything to get the water with. And this well is very deep. How are you going to give me some of this living water? And clearly missing the point, so Jesus uh, responded to her and he says, you know, everyone who drinks from this water in this well here, they're going to go thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never go thirsty again. He says the water I give will spring up inside of you, welling up to eternal life. Now, I don't know how she would have responded to that statement either because that's not something you hear every day from someone either. But this woman perhaps thought that some magic water would be nice to have. Um, And so she responds, maybe in a sarcastic tone, Sir, why don't you give me some of that water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well every single day? And then it maybe gets a little more serious. And Jesus then told her, he said, I want you to go get your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. 
Jesus says, yeah, you're right, you have no husband. The truth is you have five husbands. And the one you're with now isn't your husband. Now, if the talk of living water hadn't gotten her attention, I'm sure this got her attention. (laughs) She thinks he's a prophet because he's knowing these things about her life that she had not told him. So then she tries to argue with him about the correct place for worshiping God. Now, you see, this was a big debate among Jews and Samaritans. The Jews worshipped God in Jerusalem at the temple, but the Samaritans worshipped God at another place on Mount Gerizim. So Jesus told her, He said, listen, there's going to be a time that's coming soon where it's going to make no difference where you worship God because God is about to do something new. And she said, yeah, I know. She said, I know the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes... He's going to explain all this to me and he's going to make it clear. And then Jesus looked at her and he said something to her that would forever change her life. He said to her, you know, that Messiah that you're speaking about, that one you've been waiting for, he said, I am he. Now I imagine in that moment, I'm sure her world just blew wide open. And any insignificance that she felt about herself or struggles that she was having paled in comparison to the significance of that moment in meeting the Messiah that she had been waiting for for so long. Right after that, um, he said that to her. Jesus' disciples started walking up. And I imagine, I don't know how they felt in that moment. I can guess and I wonder that maybe they felt confused. Maybe perhaps even annoyed that Jesus was there talking with a Samaritan woman. Because in their minds, I'm sure, Jesus had no business associating with Samaritans. And certainly had no business associating like that at the well alone with a woman. They were likely very uncomfortable with what was happening. When she saw the disciples approaching, she dropped her bucket. And it says she ran back into her town. And she told everyone to come and meet this man who knew everything about me. And as she returned to the well, a large group of Samaritans were with her, eager to meet Jesus. And Jesus turned and He pointed to them and basically said to His disciples, look, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. And I believe essentially He's telling them, look at all these folks that were once on the outside of our group. They are literally walking towards us now. The gospel is for them. Share it with them. Invite them in. They ought to hear the good news. And many of the Samaritans believed that day because of this woman's testimony and because they met Jesus. And he ended up staying with them in their town for two whole days. Jesus and his disciples, Jewish people, spending two nights in the homes of their former enemies, the Samaritans. I think this is a very powerful story. Jesus intentionally traveled through an area that no Jew wanted to go. He then asked the enemy, a Samaritan, to help him get some water. He sat down and talked with this woman, which he really wasn't supposed to be doing that. And not only did he ask her for help, he spent time with her, he cared about her, and he spoke truth into her life. And then he revealed something to her that he didn't tell very many people. And that was that he was the Messiah. 
He didn't divulge that information to too many people, particularly that early on in his ministry. He decided, though, to tell a woman who was from Samaria. And he takes it even further. He accepted their invitation to stay in their town with them for two days. Now, I just want to let this story speak to us by asking you all some questions. You know, we'll wonder a little bit about this story like our children do in the Wonder Room. Because I've been wondering about this story myself. One thing I wonder is why Jesus intentionally went through Samaria, an uncomfortable place for Jews. He took the unconventional path and He traveled through a place that many did not want to go. And He chose to do it alongside His disciples. The question I've been thinking about myself is how often do I intentionally go to uncomfortable places in order to grow? in order to change, in order to be transformed. For some of you, maybe just coming to embrace is an uncomfortable place for you to go. And you're doing it because you want to grow and you want to change. I know folks back in 2020 who went and they they walked alongside protesters downtown and and marched alongside people and, and they did never done anything like that before, but they went to this uncomfortable place because they realized, I need to learn. I need to listen to these folks. I need to hear what their struggles are and what they're upset about and what they're angry about and protested there for racial justice and police reform. We've had folks who come and serve at the gathering, a place that has a very wide diverse of people, diversity of people who are there, and they come because they know, I want to be around people that are different from me because I don't have those experiences in my day-to-day life. How often do you intentionally go to uncomfortable places in order to grow? The second thing I'm thinking about is I I imagine the disciples were very uncomfortable in Samaria. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a place and you go and like, I don't feel comfortable here. (laughs) You know, I imagine they got there and they're probably like, Jesus, like, why... Like, why are you going that way? We're supposed to go this way. Like, you missed the turn, man. Like, let's go. Like, Jesus like, no, we're going this way. And they're probably like, well, okay, well, I guess we're going. I imagine they felt very uncomfortable there. I'm wondering what impact Jesus' encounter with this woman had on them. Because they were there to see it and observe it and to be a part of it. And I don't think that was probably a mistake. I, a just coincidence. I imagine Jesus had a point here. So what impact do we think that encounter that they saw, that they were part of in Samaria had on them. Another thing I was thinking is Jesus and His disciples ended up staying in Samaria in the homes of Samaritans for two days. How do you think those two days in Samaria changed them and transformed their hearts and their minds? someone who's been influential in my life. I've only had the opportunity to meet him uh, once. There's a guy named Shane Claiborne. Some of y'all probably know who he is. I've read some of his books, and he was very impactful for me um, back when I was in college. But he tells a story about when he went to Iraq during the shock and awe campaign um, that happened at the beginning of the Iraq war um, after 9-11 and all that. And they went there because they wanted to show solidarity with these folks in Iraq because they saw that these are humans just like us who God loves deeply. And so they were there during this bombing campaign. And they were, they, he t- shares a story about how he was driving in a truck and they hit a roadside 
kind of bomb that was planted there, and, and they, their car crashed, and fortunately they survived, but some of them needed medical attention. And they ended up being cared for by Muslim people in Iraq, and they took them into their homes, and they loved them, and they nursed them back to health, and they sought the right help at the hospitals. And he said through that encounter, they were changed to their core, and, and their mind was opened, and their vision was opened, because they saw that these are people just like us. <laughs> these are not our enemy. These are people that we are called to love. And, and I, I imagine that Jesus and his disciples maybe had a different view uh, of Samaritans after that time. On the flip side of things, the, the fourth thing I was thinking about is after meeting Jesus and his disciples, do you think the Samaritans maybe looked at Jews a little bit differently? Do you think maybe they saw Jews differently after they met Jesus and met these disciples and they had this moment together where they heard from one another and learned from one another and shared stories together? I would like to think that changed them. And that impacted them. Something I've been thinking about and something that we, we continually ask ourselves here at Embrace to think about is this. Think of a group of people, or even a particular person that makes you uncomfortable. Could be people from a particular ethnic group or another religion or a particular race or a political party or a social group. When was the last time you intentionally tried to go spend time with someone from one of those groups? To get to know them and have conversation and hear stories. Christina shared this a couple of weeks ago, but people have remarked, and I agree that, that I'm not like a, a great historian, but I know a little bit, but we might be more divided in this country than we've ever been since the Civil War. And we fail to talk across lines, we fail to get to know one another, and we become more and more entrenched with people that we feel comfortable with. And I think church has to be a different place. We need spaces like this where we can come together with people who are not exactly the same as us so that we can see one another and humanize one another and speak to one another and see that like we all bear God's image and we are all human and we all are children of God that God loves deeply and wants to know Him. And so for me, like those times when I've taken the intention to actually push myself to go be around people that I'm not so sure about or people I've not spent time with, it's really, really impacted me on a deep level. And it's changed my perspective completely. You know, I wonder sometimes in our neighborhood, I, I get a lot of negative feedback sometimes about people who don't have homes and are sleeping outside. And the way that they're talked about sometimes is, is, is very hurtful. And hateful. And I wonder sometimes if some of these folks actually knew the people and talked to them, they realized, hey, they're actually just like me. We're no different. We're no different. And the last thing I was thinking about is that Jesus intentionally took his disciples with him into an uncomfortable and risky situation. And from that encounter, many people were changed. What does this tell you about being a follower of Jesus? Jesus intentionally took them into an uncomfortable and risky situation. There's another story where Jesus took his disciples on a boat, and they went out into a boat, and a terrible storm came, and they thought they were going to die. And I've had the thought that, like, Jesus actually led them onto that boat into this dangerous situation. And some people have, some people may believe that being a Christian means that your life is going to be easy, <laughs> Or that like following Jesus is going to make you comfortable and going to make you rich and all these different things. And, 
And I just, I like to look and see where Jesus led his followers, and often it was into uncomfortable and risky situations. Yet I believe from those moments, they were actually changed. They learned to trust God more. They became more fully who God intended them to be in those moments. So what does this tell you about being a follower of Jesus? You know, my hope for our church is that we follow where Jesus leads us. That we follow where Jesus is leading us. And that we have the courage to really ask that question, where are we being led right now in this moment in which we find ourselves? And my belief is that we will be led into places that will bring us lots of joy and they will be good, but they will also be hard. They will be challenging. They will be difficult. We've already felt that in our church over the last few years. There's been hard places, I believe, that Jesus has led us, but I believe it has been good. My hope is that we are unafraid to leave behind our comfort, that we will grow comfortable with being uncomfortable, that we will take risk in our church community and in our walk with God. So I encourage you all to continue to be willing to lean into the discomfort and to push yourself outside what is comfortable in order to become more like Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.